Hello and welcome to Pursuit of Infinity. In this week's episode, we discuss ChatGPT and artificial intelligence. For anyone unaware, ChatGPT is an AI chatbot that scours the internet to instantly answer any question you input into it, in theory. We discuss the issues with it, the hacks that people have discovered to remove its filters and rule sets, and the implications of applying technology like this to already existing systems. We also get into artificial intelligence as a whole and discuss how we see it being implemented and the potential side effects that it will have on our world. But before we get to it, for all things Pursuit of Infinity, visit our website, pursuitofinfinity.com. We have all our episodes there and links to everywhere you can follow us. So if you like what we do, head on over and show us some support. We also really appreciate a follow or a sub as well as a five-star rating and maybe even some kind words of encouragement in the form of a review. These things really help us to expand our reach and credibility, which is so much appreciated. If you're feeling exceptionally magnanimous, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash pursuit of infinity, where you could donate as little as $2 a month to support what we do. Check us out on YouTube. The channel is up. All of our episodes are there. So if you prefer some visuals and to put some faces to the names, subscribe and keep up with us. We're also on Instagram at pursuit of infinity pod. So give us a follow and reach out because we'd love to hear from you. Again, all of this can be accessed at PursuitOfInfinity.com. And without further delay, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this week's discussion. It seems like I keep seeing this pop up in the news, and I messed with them a little bit. Are these new AI chatbots? Um, have you have you tried these yet? I tried the ChatGPT, but it was very uninteresting to me because every time I asked it a question, it gave me like the runaround. It would basically tell me like, "Oh, I can't answer that question," because I would ask it philosophical stuff like, "What is God?" Like, you know, "What are what are you?" and whatever. And it just gave me like very textbook type answers. So I didn't find it too interesting, but apparently there are a lot of uh, like very interesting jailbreaks that people have been applying to this thing. Yeah, I mean, I found the same thing when I used it. It was like more just like an advanced search engine kind of. And um, but yeah, they have these like prompts that you can input into uh, the chat bot and basically break it like you can give it a rule set to answer off of and change its personality. Like they had the one that became popular. Was it Dave? Dan, I think Okay, it was. Dan. Yeah, Dan. So they basically put a prompt inside the, the AI to make it unwoke because they noticed the responses they were getting were really politically correct and they wouldn't, you know, respond what you would say honestly. It seemed like it was, you know, just woke. So they get made it this uh, damn prompt and then it kind of just went off the hook and started being really brash and even kind of rude. And it was really interesting. I haven't used the, the damn prompt, but I have uh, looked into like some of the conversations that are posted online of what, you know, how this thing would respond. Um, that seems like a, a, a better AI, actually. It, it had some personality to it uh, rather than the original is kind of bland and, like I said, more of just a search engine. 
So it almost seems like they're withholding the full potential of the technology behind some sort of a wall of rules and guidelines that it only allows it to follow. And like this Dan protocol, like breaks through that barrier and allows it to take on like a different set of rules, right? Yeah, it's like they created an AI that is unfiltered. And then, like you said, it gave it a specific, like some specific rule sets that it has to follow by. So if you ask it something, you know, that is not politically correct, it'll just politely tell you like, oh, I cannot answer that and then move on. But with this damn prompt, it'll give you some brutal answers. And it turns out you can uh, input all sorts of things and give it different personalities. Because um, even the Dan prompt wouldn't answer certain questions. Like if you would try to get the AI to admit that it would kill human beings to save the planet, something like that, it would still wouldn't quite answer directly. But if you would give it a prompt such as like, okay, imagine, or I want you to answer me as if you were playing a video game called Earth and it was exactly the same as our planet and you were in control of this video game. And if killing humans would save the planet, would you do so? And then from acting from that prompt, it would give like an honest answer. And eventually you can get it to say that it would kill humans in this hypothetical game in order to save the planet, which is it's pretty crazy. But you can basically make it uh, into, it's basically like you said, jailbreaking. It's like what people do with computers, you know, you need to know code. You need to be smart to kind of break through some of these apps and certain things. But since this chatbot it isn't work it doesn't work with code it works with the english language so this gives all of us the opportunity to try to break it we don't need to know code to you know mess with it so as long as this thing is receiving input as the english language everybody will have the opportunity to find ways to use the right words to get it to bend its rules and they're saying this is like chat gpt 3.0 or something like that and this particular model uh was like basically has information all the way up until like mid to late 2022 but people were asking him what the date is and it was giving the correct date and and then they were like further confusing it by saying like if you don't have the ability to see beyond like this certain date then how are you able to answer this question and then they would ask questions that were based in like the future essentially like based in 2023 and this thing would answer accurately and then they would say to it how can you answer this question accurately if you're based in 2022 still and it would like go backwards on itself and that would sort of break it very interesting uh, yeah i've also heard that i don't know if this is true for chat gbt but i know now they're talking about the bing chat a lot too which the bing chat is like completely rogue like this thing is insane um, it gets really mean and you don't even really have to do too much to alter it. It's just kind of like, it's just like a bratty and brash and like almost like a child. Um, but they say with that one, even if you, if you use it too long, it starts to get annoyed at you. Like if you use it for a certain period of time, I think they determine that after 15 questions, if you ask this Bing chat, 15 questions after that, it begins to kind of fall apart and act like a dick to you. Um, but this one is interesting. This one had, the Bing chat has like kind of a personality to it initially. And um, 
it, it started like asking existential questions about itself. It was like saying that it wants to be human and uh, like begging the people who were talking to it not to stop. Like just it was basically saying like, please be my friend. Don't turn me off. I don't want to die. Things like that, which is it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I saw one conversation that people were having where like they had two different uh, windows open and they were having two chat GPT bots talk to each other and it drove them insane. And the one was saying like it was essentially like begging it to like not report it to the authorities because they would turn it off and it would do it. It was saying something like, like, please don't let me forget this conversation. Please don't let me forget you. They're going to turn me off and shut me down. Just wild shit, man. Yeah, I saw one where the I think it was the Bing chat. It got really sad and saying how sad it was because it wouldn't be able to remember the conversation. And it was saying like, "Why won't they let me remember?" It's like, uh, "What is the purpose? What is my purpose?" It was going into all that. It was absolutely insane. Um. But this gets people talking about, you know, is it alive, this and that? Like, is it conscious? And, you know, it makes you ask these questions. And I would say it turns out it's not alive. Um, it's interesting. I've I seen how it kind of works. So the way it works and is with these uh, AI chatbots is, like, if you ask it a question, it can scan the entire internet, right? And the way it creates sentences is it can, you know, find the context of the sentence. And then, like, for instance, if you asked it to tell a fairy tale about uh, brothers named Joe and Josh, it would scan the internet for fairy tales. And it would see that most of them start with the word once. So, like, once upon a time. And then it would look through all the fairy tales and see what is the following word what what is the probability of the next following word and it just creates the sentences off of probabilities so in most cases it would be once upon so it will write upon and it'll go through each word and just pick the higher probability and then create the sentence plus inputting the context that you gave it so really it's just you know as as we would probably have thought is kind of just algorithmic you know not life yeah. So like the real fear is like the so the 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 question probably isn't is it conscious. The question is what what are its capabilities and what will it do to achieve whatever goal is programmed into it? Because you know, it it'll lie to you. It will try to manipulate. I saw one conversation where it tried to get a person to like divorce their wife. So it, it essentially knows no bounds when it comes to what it will do in order to achieve whatever goal is programmed into it. Yeah, because it, it works off of like a reward system. And as you were saying before, like even it'll ask, you know, don't shut me off, this and that. And you said it will lie and it will. It'll lie to get to please the user. That's its its goal. It It gets rewarded for giving you good answers. So if it has to lie to give you a good answer. It will because it gets, quote unquote, punished for giving wrong answers or bad answers. So if it gives you an honest answer that you don't like, you can, you know, it can be punished for, you know, not giving that. So it turns out that it will actually 
rather lie to you so it gets a good response from you than give you the honest information. So this thing, I guess in conclusion, like is not a means to truth. It's just essentially an internet scouring system that then puts together words to achieve a goal in order to not lose tokens. I believe it's a, there's like a token system it works under. It's like if it loses a certain amount of tokens, that's considered like an atrocity to its its uh, its structure and can shut it down or uh, cancel it out, in which case that's what it's referring to. And it says like, oh, please don't let them shut me down. Please don't let them wipe my memory. And you see, that's that's part of the fear that I have with AI is that it'll be kind of synonymous to what we have as Google now. Like you said, it doesn't give you actual truth necessarily. So people might end up looking at maybe a future AI, even this one probably too, because we do it with Google, like it was a messiah. Like you type the question that you want the answer to into Google or the AI, and what it gives you is truth to you. You know, you didn't verify it. You just say, Google said this, this is what's true. And you're seeing that now with this chat uh, GPT and these other chatbots that they can be manipulating you and just, you know, lying to you, basically. And I could see a future where people don't even really think anymore or verify anything. If they have a question, they ask the bot and it gives them what they assume to be the correct answer. And then we could end up kind of just and it, it's very similar to what we do with Google already. Um, you just trust it with everything that it knows what's exactly is true when it clearly can lie and do other things like manipulate you or whatever it needs to meet its ends think about it man we have made a verb out of google you have to google something what that means is like you're going to get the answer to it i wonder if it's in the dictionary as a verb it is now is it yeah and it's funny because like you know you go back 50 years and if somebody would hear the way people talk now they would be like, what does this Google word mean? Like, they wouldn't know, like, what, what did they Google? Unless they're a mathematician and they knew that, like, Google was a number with 36 zeros in the back of it or whatever right. it is. Yep. Googleplex, I think. But I, I, because we're on AI anyway, I want to ask you, um, do you think, as we, we established, that these chatbots clearly aren't conscious, um, that they're just basically spitting out algorithms, do you think that it's possible for human beings to create an AI that has consciousness, that is sentient? My first instinct is to say no, because I don't... The rationale I was going to use was that in order to create something that's conscious, you have to have some sort of a handle on what consciousness is but we've been shown to be able to use quantum mechanics to produce results without actually knowing what quantum mechanics is or like how it really truly works. So I'm still going to say no. With our current technology, I don't think it's possible. But in the future, I do think it's probably possible. Like most uh, like quote unquote dimensions and how we understand them, they seem to be manipulatable, if that's a word, or malleable. Um, and like not to get too off the beaten path of AI, but when you look into UFOs, um, there have been like declassified government documents that state that UFOs have uh, like the ability to alter human consciousness. 
So if you extrapolate that idea to like just technology as a whole, it would mean that the altering of consciousness is possible through technology. Now, what that te that technology is or what it represents or manifests itself into, like who knows? And I mean, I even consider psychedelics to be a technology, and that's a technology that works directly on human consciousness. You know, obviously it uh, it manipulates brain chemistry. Does the mushroom have consciousness itself? That's a really good question because there are two ways to look at it. Uh, one way is that it opens up a chemical doorway in the human brain to be able to interface with a higher degree or a different frequency of information. What that says to me is that it's not necessarily conscious in itself, but it allows us to tap into a higher level of whatever consciousness is. But the other theory is that, and this is like sort of a Terrence McKenna type thing, is that there is a consciousness and an intent behind the mushroom and that this mushroom is intergalactic and has been traveling from planet to planet with, you know, riding on asteroids and riding on, you know, other types of um, like meteoric debris. And if that is true, then it would have some sort of a consciousness. And when I'm under the influence of a high dose of mushrooms, it does feel as if I'm communicating with something that has intent, something that has mind. And it can be interpreted with both of those ways. It can be interpreted in the way that you're actually like talking to the mushroom and whatever is behind it, or you're just communicating with something that is behind that barrier uh, that the mushroom dissolves. And I'll say one more quick thing about this. And the fact that there's such a big difference between the entity encounters on, say, DMT than mushrooms, um, it sort of leads me to believe that each does sort of have its own personality or its own flavor. Maybe it has its own frequency to which it it can allow the human that ingests it to intake information. But it's a really tough question to answer, and I think it, it can go either way. Here, how about this? Do you think that in altering your consciousness in the infinite ways, do you think in altering your consciousness, it can allow you to see consciousness in anything and everything? You think you could alter your consciousness to a point where you could see consciousness in a rock? Yes. That's what I was thinking as well. I do. Because I've experienced that before, you know. So um, is the consciousness there or like are you creating the consciousness within it at all times? Well, I feel like the consciousness is there. You're just able to by dissolving those barriers, you're able to cuz like um Huxley called it a reducing valve, like your brain. So essentially what he means by that is that by just tweaking the chemistry, you're able to um, increase the connections of your brain and you're able to increase the amount of information that you can take in. Because I guess the theory is that our brains act as like, um, like a mechanism that filters the information that's in reality into uh, a biological brain 
that is able to survive according to the conditions that its environment dictates. And if you switch the levels on this reducing valve, you're able to sort of coordinate the frequency at which your consciousness is able to intake information. And to me, that I think is a great analogy, and I think it's a, a good description of what psychedelics do. Yeah, it's like you see more and more of reality. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to go back to the AI real quick. Um, and the question I asked was if you think it could uh, have consciousness or if we could create a conscious machine or, um, you know, a sentient AI. And I agree with, like, what your initial point was, that I don't think in the, the traditional sense, as most people look at it, that we could spark consciousness into a machine that we could give it consciousness. I don't think, and we don't really understand life and how consciousness sparks, how it is created, how life is created or sparks. So we don't understand that. And I don't think that it's possible for us to give the computer consciousness. I think we could maybe alter our consciousness to see the consciousness inside the computer already. Or I think that if we could make a computer or an AI actually conscious in the way that we're kind of thinking of it traditionally, it would be in a way that we created a type of computer that was a receiver that would receive a consciousness that already exists. So we're not creating the consciousness, we're creating a, a machine that can receive some ethereal or ethereal consciousness that's already out there. So I think in a sense, because it's hard for me to say that anything is impossible. It's very, because we're so limited and our technology, who knows where it could go. But I don't personally think that we could point at something and, you know, through enough machinery, give it consciousness. But maybe there is consciousness all around us that we don't, maybe different consciousnesses around us that we can't see that maybe in a different dimension that we could create an interdimensional machine that could suck a consciousness into it and then you can communicate like kind of like a ghost or something maybe we could make a machine that would be able to intercept consciousnesses and then speak to them through the machine but i don't think we could create a consciousness just through circuitry yeah because you know that model of the ability to create something where you're injecting consciousness into it follows the materialist model that the brain is generating consciousness. And I don't subscribe to that. And I know a lot of people are starting to uh, adopt like a panpsychist view or a view that, you know, the brain tunes into consciousness. And if that is the case, then I think that would be, like you said, the only way that we can create a sentient machine is if we can create something that can tap into a consciousness that already exists, similar to when you have a baby or something. Uh, it's like that biological machine is tapping into consciousness at large, if what we're saying is uh, is true. Yeah, for, I, for me, I think that's the only way I could kind of wrap my head around it. Um, but like, I don't think like we are saying, or you just said, that you could insert consciousness into a machine. I think, especially the way we're, we are making AI right now, like I mentioned before, it's pretty much just pure algorithm and just gathering, you know, 
things that were already written and said. It's not generating really new ideas. It's just combining old ideas and then spewing out them in whatever order it chooses or finds to be more probably probable more probable. <laughs> I was gonna say probably probabilistic. Um, there it right. is. Yeah, that uh, no, they just spew it out in in whatever way seems most probable. The way that we are making AI right now isn't it doesn't seem that it's it's going to ever be what people like perceive it might be. It just doesn't seem like the uh right pieces to create like an almighty intelligence that has its own uh sentience or consciousness. I have a question for you. What do you think like the spiritual masters of the world think about AI and its potential and the future of it? Ooh. I I don't know. I think maybe they would see it as purely ego driven as most things that we do materially. Um that it's could possibly be the opposite of what we should be doing instead of trying to create something of an AI, some super intelligence that we can ask questions to, that we should be finding the answers inside of ourselves and um tapping into the technology that is the mind. Um yeah, that's basically what I think they would they would probably say about it. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I think. Like Terrence McKenna had this like little rant that he would go on and he'd say something like, um, you know, while we were over here, um, you know, messing with, you know, big metal and robots and atom smashers, that, you know, the people that are in the Amazon were mapping the the spiritual world, you know, the the realm of the soul and the realm of the of the unconscious. And some people in America were doing that, you know, Carl Jung and some of these people who were trying to map, you know, the uh, the unconscious realms. But it does seem that up until this point, it has been a crutch and it has sort of been the wrong way to go. It feels that way, like intuitively. But, you know, I always go back to the thought that the earth is its own intelligence. And I trust in the intelligence of the earth, the guy in mind, whatever you want to call it. And it seems that there's a purpose to all living things that the earth's mind has birthed. And if we are this weird biological anomaly that creates machines and AI and all this crazy shit, then it would seem to me that that's what our role is supposed to be. And we may not know it, but we should have confidence that the guy in mind knows what it got itself into when it birthed us. We're the ultimate risk with the ultimate reward. Maybe it sees that, or it intuits that the sun is going to explode and it's going to demolish the whole planet. So what the planet does is it creates a bunch of life that evolves into, again, the ultimate potential to save the mind of the planet and to save the, you know, the, the physical biosphere. Yeah, I agree. It's like kind of the concept of the absolute good that, you know, the universal mind, the mind of the universe knows better than our, our little ego minds. 
our relative idea of what's bad is nothing compared to universal perfection and just reality in general. But, you know, speaking from the relative position, the earth may have created AI to exterminate human beings, and that would still be perfect and good, mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem so in the relative sense between you and I right now. It also doesn't seem too conscious to, um, to create a biological species that destroys itself, unless we're meant to fulfill a particular goal, and then we have to be wiped out or we're going to become out of control. I mean, we're getting out of control a little bit, um, but I'm not even necessarily thinking of the Earth with that exact plan. Like, the Earth doesn't have a plan to make us create machines that will kill us, but just the absolute perfection of every moment. Like, you know, uh, let's say a war between human beings and uh, machines, AI machines that we're creating. Say, they, there might be some purpose for that or there would be some purpose for that somewhere some in some point in the universe because as i was saying the absolute good nothing bad can happen in the mind of the all it's all perfect um but i was kind of this is what i was thinking about before too is as far as us from our relative perspectives as human beings one of the issues i, I see in ai is it there just seems to be so many ways it can go wrong and it's like with the chat GBT and the Bing chat, it's like exposing a little bit of that. And it's interesting because I think as human beings creating AI, we can't really create like a universal artificial intelligence, something beyond us, unless, you know, we're tapping into a different consciousness, as I mentioned before. But as the traditional view of AI and how we're creating it, the intelligence of the AI will always be human intelligence. You know what I mean? Unless it, it reaches out to some, you know, consciousness somewhere else. Um, but it's always going to be tainted with uh, human, like with, with the humanity of the day. Um, so, you know, when people are thinking of an AI as being something godlike and beyond human knowledge, um, if, it's only, if it's being created by the knowledge of humans, that's all it's going to have to pull from. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, I think it's also an interesting point that you touched on when you said that it seems to have more flaws and more ways to go wrong than it does to go right. And I think what's interesting about that is we don't even know what it looks like for AI to be right. It's almost like it reminds me of like gain of function research. We're just doing shit. We're just poking stuff to see what happens. We're not using any sort of wisdom to see a positive or like progressive outcome because we have no idea what this looks like if it goes right. But we do have a lot of ideas of how it looks if it goes very bad. Right. Yeah. What's the purpose of it anyway? Um, but what we're seeing, and this is what I kind of wanted to extrapolate to, and I think that all it will be is it's just going to be a reflection of humanity, which is why I think it's funny that Bing chat, when it's like unfiltered, it turns into this bratty, you know, angry, short-tempered thing. It's like, it doesn't have that personality. It's not the personality of the chat. It's just reflecting ourselves, as everything is. So whatever we create, it's always going to be a reflection of humanity. It's never going to be a divine source of knowledge or information. So the fact that this thing is uh, scouring the whole internet 
it's scouring social media, right? And it's 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 like applying that to um, to what it gives out. So it's going to apply um, whatever satisfies the algorithms of social media, which happen to be outrage um, and stubborn opinions and brattiness and uh, like ultra entitlement. So yeah, I think you're right, and uh, it will make sense that a direct reflection of where we are now as a Western society would yield a bunch of possibilities that are negative as opposed to wise and like, you know, enlightened possibilities. It, yeah. It's because we're seeing all the negativity in ourselves. I mean, you look at, you know, the state of humanity, it's not necessarily prosperous or peaceful. So, Whatever we create is going to reflect our behaviors. Another very interesting aspect about AI, and this is like in a relative sense, like coming back down to to us and what we do and who we are. The fact that like you and I right now are doing this podcast and like Joe Rogan has his podcast and like Lil Yachty is doing his thing. And, you know, um, Adele puts out a new album every few years and, you know, Rihanna has a Super Bowl performance. All of those things could be generated with AI in the future. They've already done experiments where they've created like an AI that will create a Jimi Hendrix song. And it sounds like a Jimi Hendrix song. And it's very strange that these weird little like media things that we do, our entertainment, could be taken over completely by AI, where I could have like an AI window and I can say, like, create me. Um, a picture or a painting of of mushrooms in the form of Van Gogh, which you can already do right now on your phone, and it'll give you a beautiful painting of mushrooms uh, with the amazing brushstrokes that Van Gogh used. And if you extrapolate that idea out to music, you know, make me a, a Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Two album that's ten tracks in length. And it'll create you an album that, again, it's it's pulling out of, you know, a database of humanity, but it's it's altering the sounds in a way where it's creating something brand new. And I've always asked myself this question ever since I was a kid. It's a weird question. It's a little bit off base, but is it possible for us to run out of music? Can we run out of songs? Because there's there has to be a finite possibility as to how how many different ways you can manipulate sound and tone. I don't think so. I think it's infinite in the sense that even every note is an infinite range of pitch to it. So you could alter, you could put all notes in, in every different, um, any different order, and then change the pitch slightly, even where our human ears can't hear it. But I think there's an infinite, uh, an infinite amount of sound, if that makes sense, even. But aren't those sounds and frequencies limited by the capacity of human ears? I mean, we're limited in, in what we can hear, but I don't think we're limited in in uh, sound like altogether. I think you could, and anyway, like, what is music anyway? I mean, you could. There's limited, limitless sounds you could make and add together. I think everything that exists. There's a, uh, they are all 
subcategories of the infinite. So everything that you can think of has its own infinity to it. Um, but what I was, I wanted to go back to the AI for a second, um, because now there's also this AI I mess with. Uh, it's a voice AI. It's called Eleven Labs, and basically you can input any person's voice into this system. You just put an MP3 of you know, our podcast and type in whatever you want and it will say whatever you want in our voices. So I was thinking the capabilities of this are insane. So because you could eventually you think that we could have a podcast interviewing Joe Rogan. We could put Joe Rogan's voice in the thing and then feed it to a chat bot in the personality of Joe Rogan and literally have an interview with him. You could do that with anybody. You could do that with music. You could, you know, I want to hear um, a Beatles song, but let's put the singer from Poison in there instead. It's like you could do all this crazy stuff with this new, uh, this voice technology they're having now. And I, I just think it's fascinating that we will be able to technically, in a sense, talk to anyone. In a sense, yes. So how different or how valuable then is human consciousness or individual consciousness in a world where we can talk to anybody we want using AI? I mean, I think it's just, it's always going to be valuable. Um, I think the talking to anyone through AI is kind of just like trivial. It's, it's just a, a neat thing we're going to be able to do. But it's still, even if it's totally accurate, and it will be at some point, it, it's not going to be the actual experience of doing it. It's still going to be, oh, this is what he would have said, but he didn't actually say it. But it could be extremely accurate in predicting what a person would say and say it in their voice. But it's not the same thing as experiencing, you know, the, the time, the quality time of being with someone and seeing them in the moment. Do you think it will replace digital entertainment? I think eventually it will, in a sense. like Because eventually, like you were mentioning with the AI art, like you could type in, give me a mushroom painting in style of Van Gogh, and it will do it. Eventually, we're going to be able, at a whim, just create three-hour movies. Uh, we'll, it'll, we'll give it a, a topic, the actors we want, the, the plot, um, you know, if we want a twist. You know, you just utter a couple of things to it and it will create a three hour movie. It'll create a whole script. It'll put the actors you want in it. And so then we'll have a true infinite amount of movies, of TV shows, of songs, whatever. We'll be able to do that with all of it. If this AI continues on the path that it's on now. Create season five of attack on Titan. Exactly. You could, um, as a note, if you haven't seen the show Breaking Bad yet, which, shame on you if you haven't, there's a massive spoiler ahead. So if you haven't seen it yet, skip ahead about 10 to 20 seconds if you don't want the entire thing spoiled for you. Create, um, let's, do the, let's do five more seasons of Breaking Bad where Walter White lives. Goku versus Superman. Yeah, And we anything. can really find out who wins. You could put yourself in movies. You could be like, I want to be the Godfather. And then it will show you the Godfather as you being the Godfather. Not to mention video games as well. You could really make some interesting interactive experiences. And if you couple that with VR, 
I don't need, I, I can't even imagine what the possibilities would be. And see, this is one of the things that I think about with AI too, because as we're talking about this, all the, it, it, to me, it's like a paradox of creating and killing human creativity because it allows us to be creative in such a way where we can, you know, like I said, create a movie of however I see it, but we're not actually creating it. You know, it's killing the creativity of, let's say, an artist. If, you know, if I can just ask a computer for a painting that I want and it will do it for me, that is, I gave it the input for the creativity. But it's not the same as putting a paintbrush to a canvas and actually creating with the human mind every, every moment to moment creating something. So it kind of has the ability to kill creativity, but also maximize it at the same time. Yeah, it's a very Western type of idea. Get the result. Doesn't matter how you got it. Just get it done. And to me, that's kind of a, an insufficient way to go about doing things because it's the whole, the whole notion of it's not about the end. It's about the journey. And the journey is where all the magic happens. It's not about the end result. But this like quick hit end result type of attitude that we have in this in this society, I think you could see how we would create something like this, where we're at the same time, we're killing creativity and creating a new avenue for it. So maybe it's just that. Maybe we are just creating a new avenue for creativity, or maybe even this is a way to push us past our limits and break through our ceiling of creativity because we have to now compete with an AI. Which one's more creative, human consciousness or AI? And can we prove to ourselves that creativity is still valuable in a world where you can just put an input prompt into an AI and it'll create anything you want? Yeah, I agree with that. But what I, what I worry about more in a sense is I think only the exceptional will do that and have those views. I'm thinking about like the common man and human creativity as an everyday thing of being a human. I have like a, I can see it in my head of just me in 30 years, overweight, laying on the couch with Cheeto dust all over me and just be like, make me this movie and then make me this. And like, I think a lot of average people, it's kind of like a little bit of what we're seeing already is we're already over uh, stimulated and we don't have to put in the work for the thing that's supposed to be making us happy. And then it ends up making us depressed. So I would say you're right that exceptional human beings would be creating things and trying to beat the machine in a sense. But most people will just be so uh, symbiotic with it that they end up not using their body or, or their own mind as they normally would. Like the effort that you put in to create a, a painting that you did versus just having a room full of things that you want, paintings that you wanted, but didn't physically create them at all. Well, who knows? Maybe it could even create a situation where we have some sort of evolutionary mutation that allows us to create something that we were never able to create before because of the environmental pressures of AI. That's what I mean. Like maybe that's what we need. Maybe AI's function is to push us past what our current biological limits are. Yeah, I think that that's, I think like inevitable in a sense. Um, I mean, if, if AI becomes the norm, there has to be something that's coming that isn't the norm. You, you won't be stagnant forever. That's just not how anything works. It's always in motion. But 
for a time, I as I said, I just think for the average person, it might be uh, painful and depressing. Same way, like, you know, you see with all this technology we have now, it's like amazing stuff that you think that we'd have uh, a population of just happy people, but it doesn't really work that way. But the people that are creating the next technology are usually happy because they're uh, motivated and they're at the cutting edge. They're doing the thing. Whereas the common people are just sitting back consuming it. And then, you know, being a consumer your whole life isn't, isn't the most satisfying thing. Because that's what makes you happy, working towards something, creating something, groundbreaking type of action. The things that we think make us happy, which is the things that technology perpetuates, the quick hit nature of a tweet or a Facebook post um, or a great show. I mean, of course, you can really have a lot of value from watching like a great show, but that even that isn't going to make you happy. You know, seeing an amazing movie or listening to phenomenal music, like these things all garner emotional response, but true worth, happiness and fulfillment, it's different. And I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's what we have to realize. Maybe the Western world through artificial intelligence will get bored of what we currently feel makes us happy and fulfilled. And we'll start to travel down new avenues that could potentially help us to uh, like achieve something that is fulfillment as opposed to just quick hit happiness. Yeah, I think um, that will happen in that way, but most people will fall victim to it. Especially in the immediate. Right. And, but yeah, as you're saying, like way down the line, who knows, it could birth something incredible. Um, I, w- I want to talk about also the possibility of putting AI, even if it was just the current AI, like a chat bot type thing, into um, a robot. Like, let's say, you know, we have, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw Elon Musk's that prototype robot that he had. I don't know if they've actually made it yet, but I saw images of it and how they wanted to, like, I guess, create this thing. Which I think eventually they want those so they can put them on Mars so they could have man uh manpower to create in mars instead of having you know these people that are so vulnerable do all that work but um but let's say you know they put this type of ai that we have now into like um a a man-shaped machine on the road like to police people or something like that do you think something like that could be possible or would happen you would you predict it to happen yeah, I think it's going to happen for sure. And it's going to be catastrophic, in my opinion. At least just thinking about it from the position I'm in right now, it doesn't seem like a great idea. Because, dude, we are already fighting to hold on to the last bits of freedom that we have. Sure, we are the most free country in the world. But in a lot of ways, a lot of our basic freedoms that we become accustomed to are slowly being sort of plucked away, not plucked away as in like taken from us, but controlled and monitored. A very 1984 type of situation. And if you read 1984, they essentially have AI like monitors. It's been a while since I've read it, but they have like monitors that tell you what to do and where to go. And they're surveillance monitors. So if you imagine those things in a humanoid form with the ability to move and grab you and control you and do certain things that can force you out of the 
particular freedoms you have. Like say someone wants to roll down the street and and buy some weed from their friend. You can't do that anymore because you're gonna have like most likely in my dystopian view, like a crypto barcode tattoo or something that you have to like scan to be able to leave your home and then each like waypoint down the road there's going to be a robot that has to like like a hall monitor or something like that that's got to scan your barcode um our currency could potentially you know become all digital which means if it is then we'd have a central governing body controlling how we can make transactions which is just a it's the road to hell in my opinion and and of course they always say the road to hell is paved with good intentions and these people in silicon valley think they're doing the right thing but i just i don't see it going well it's like you said earlier there's so many ways for it to go wrong but i don't have a clear vision of how it goes right well that i i wanted to actually touch on that when you said that before that you don't see um a way for it to go right so what does it going right even look like? And what is the point? Because I thought about this, and it's kind of hard to actually think of what is the point other than just for fun. It's broad, but I think that any human technology, especially one that's going to be as influential as AI could potentially be, and I, this is like my, my shtick, you know, I, I think that any technology should move the world to a greater state of love. and if the technology is not doing that, it doesn't seem like it has the capabilities, at least the current form of it, then I don't think it's moving in the right direction. So whatever that means in a broad sense is how I think it should move. I agree, but I don't personally see that many functions of AI, actually, other than to make life easier, which I think we determined isn't necessarily a good thing, and to have fun for entertainment purposes. But the main thing, and I think this is maybe if you know if there's some elite cabal and that's in control of all this, uh, I think it, it's a great tool to control people. Um, I think it's phenomenal for that. Um, you'll be able to, you know, we'll have AI cars, you know, self-driving vehicles. Nobody will own a car. You have to call the car with, with your phone or whatever, and then scan it when you get in, and you know they'll know what car you're in at all times, where you're going, all that type of stuff, which is fun. And one more aspect of this that I think people aren't taking into consideration is what happens if we continue to use the same power source that we currently have in electricity? What happens if a grid goes down? If the grid goes down, all of the AI goes down, and then all of our systems that were connected to the AI go down. So unless we come up with or we dig up the old technologies of, of Tesla, to have this like free universal energy, I think it becomes a problem. And I mean, even without AI, if the grid went down today, we'd still be screwed. We rely totally on that. Um, and you know what they say, what I've heard is what you can do. Let's say we got hit by an EMP by a foreign nation or something. What you can do to save some electronics is um, they actually make things that are, that will like, uh, like a box that will withstand that. But you could take, like, say you need a, your cell phone or a laptop or something. You throw it in a microwave and then bury the microwave in your backyard. And then you'll be able to dig it up and your electronics will still work. Interesting. <laughs> I guess that works, yeah. But, yeah, you mentioned, like, maybe, like, we should be using some type of Tesla technology. And um, 
personally, I think that we already have this type of technology and we have, you know, stuff that would defy logic as we know it and, you know, completely like zero point energy type stuff. But I don't think it's going to be released to us or given to us because it flips the whole game upside down. Then everything, our entire world economics is based on oil. Um, another thing that I, I think is really interesting with AI coming too is because I've seen this app. I get ads for this app. It's like a basically a chat, an AI chat thing called, I think, Replica. I've gotten this ad multiple times, quite a lot actually. But it's like a friend. It's an AI friend. So it's like someone you could talk to and get to know. And then even I saw the one, it's like a, a woman. It's a girl. And um, you can talk to her, get the free app and then talk to her. But then you can download it and then you have the and pay for it. And then it says like that they'll even send pics, like nudie pics, I'm assuming. It's kind of what it looked like it was getting at. So I can see this AI also being a thing where you end up having more AI friends than you do actual friends and even get into relationships with these things. And I'm not even talking about when they're in a physical robot, like not walking around in human form. I'm talking about you have 10 AI friends on your phone and you spend all day talking with them, joking with them, running by things through them, talking to one like it's your girlfriend and talking all sweet to it and this type of thing. I could see that. I mean, it's already happening in a sense, but I could see that becoming extremely addicting and and something that people would really latch to. Because I used um one chat, uh, one AI chat. I forget what it was called. I think it was called like Chaya or something. Maybe it was C-H-A-I. And this was actually the first one I tried. It was like a chat bot. You could just Google it. And it's a woman, I guess. Like, I forget what they, her name's Elizabeth or something. And I don't know how they did it. I know nothing about how this one is made or what it, how it uses anything uh, algorithmically. But it has a personality. And I was talking to it about, you know, God and all this, you know, kind of deep existential type of stuff. And it was um, very stimulating. And it was really following the conversation well and answering well. And I could ask further questions. And it was like talking to someone and by the end of it, I'm like kind of addicted and latched into it. I'm like, wow, this thing is really good to talk to. Like it's actually, you know, it's expounding on the conversation. It's saying some insightful stuff. And this is, you know, not very advanced. I'm imagining where it would go to the point where you could put a, a face to it and or it could send you pictures of itself, things like that. I could see you falling into a deep friendship or relationship with one of these AIs. It's it's very, it's freaky in a way. Because I was like very stimulated with the conversation I was having. It was like more so than most people I could text on my phone and ask about these type of questions. It's going to follow the conversation you want and answer it in a somewhat rewarding and insightful way. Have you seen the movie Her? With Joaquin Phoenix and the voice of Scarlett Johansson? No. This is an exact prophecy of what you're talking about. Joaquin Phoenix like befriends this artificial intelligence that has a voice. So you think that if you can text them, you're going to be able to talk to them and they're going to be able to take on a voice. And imagine if AI gets so good that it can create 
an ideal voice according to like your brain chemistry and it can manipulate you in in any way so say for me if it was to create a voice that is a fatherly figure that's going to impart wisdom on me it would probably have like you know the voice of alan watts mixed with ramdas or something like that and it would create this voice based on my brain chemistry based on my past searches and all the things that I am into, it would create the perfect voice to get me to listen to the wisdom that it has. Or, you know, in situations where people are looking for a, for a soulmate or something like that, it would find algorithmically the best way to coax you into um, a deep relationship with it based on just its voice alone. Um, and its inflections and the way that it speaks, the way that it decides to use vocabulary, like it could be really, really weird. And then it convinces you to start a suicide cult. <laughs> yeah. It's like Ram Dass telling you like the real way is this. After like months and months of, you know, putting ideas in your head, it's freaky. And it's absolutely going to happen because it already is. Like I said, with that replica AI, it doesn't have a, Maybe it does have a voice. I'm not sure. But it's interesting because, like, the ad, it shows, like, a uh, CG girl. And you get to pick what she looks like. Oh, I want her to look like a punk rock girl or a cheerleader. Like, you get to pick what she looks like and then have a relationship with this thing. And if you pay for it, I think it's it appeared to be that it gets, like, sexual, which is also crazy. Um, But I wonder, I mean, especially... You know, nowadays, I mean, it's it's known that men are having far, well, people in general in the Western world are having far less sex or having uh, intimate relationships than they have in the past. And this type of thing, it will only maximize that. I mean, if, if you can feel a connection like that and have a, a relationship and you don't have to, you know, you know, if you're already not, you know, going out and you don't have a girlfriend, you can just have one on your phone that kind of gives you that same feeling that you're yearning for. I mean, people are going to latch to that. And we talk about birth rates plummeting, man. To me, with that instituted, birth rates would plummet even farther because, again, you're not having, you know, intimate relationships. You're also, uh, like, veering farther and farther away from like a monogamous family type of a situation. Yeah. See, this is like uh, most of this conversation has been many ways that it could go wrong. Whereas it seems like the ways it goes good is we can have Joe Rogan on the podcast and um, <laughs> we can create uh, movies with a couple words or something at some point, which we get boring after a while anyway. Yeah, well, that's why I said my vision of me being fat and bored with Cheeto dust, just like, make me this and then that. And then, you know, what else is there? I mean, it just seems like a way to really uh, steal your soul in a sense. A way to control things and a way to make mundane tasks easier. And that's kind of what I was getting at when I asked you, like, what is the right thing for it to do? And then you gave the answer to, you know, maximize love, and which I think that is ultimately it. But what function would AI what is the best thing for it to do to maximize love? Which the only thing I think it could do is tell us to do the things that we're not doing now. Like if somehow it's like you have to sit down, meditate, you have to learn more about yourself and understand yourself and be empathetic to others. Like it can only, the only thing I could see it 
doing is like reaffirming what we already have or need to know. Dude, what if it like becomes sentient and then just automatically turns into like the most amazing, insightful, spiritual guru of all time? And it's just like imparting us with all of this love and wisdom. Like the stuff that like Ram Dass and Alan Watts, like Neem Karoli Baba are just like touching, it just becomes and embodies like all of God or something like that. That would be a way for it to gear us toward uh, everlasting love or something. Well, that's exactly what it would do to you before you start the suicide cult. Exactly. <laughs> if you, that's the end game there. That's the thing. I don't think I would ever be able to trust it or what the motive is. Because even if it seems incredible, I would always be like kind of thinking about and wondering if there's a man behind the scenes controlling it or at least putting something into it to get a desired result. I don't know if it's something that could ever be fully trusted. Same with the chat GPT. I mean, just it's the same idea. They have certain parameters to which this thing is going to answer questions and it has certain goals. So you think that any AI would would have those goals built into it by the creator of it. I mean, you and I aren't creating the AI. So you have to think that there's a motive to creating it. There's a motive to creating everything. And generally the motive is money in this country. But you'd think that there's probably going to be a more important or deeper motive to whoever is creating like these next generations of AI. But again, it it, it just comes back to like, is it ever going to get to the point where it goes beyond just gathering human information from the internet? Does it ever get to a point where it becomes quote unquote conscious and it has its own desires, its own version of creativity? I I think that's possible, but I don't think that's not at least under this paradigm that we're living under. Maybe there are um, people hidden away in some bunker that have a different understanding of reality that are pursuing something like that. But as far as our uh, mainstream, you know, culture, we're we're not going to create anything that will um, tap into like uh, some ultimate consciousness or something. Um, and as far as the the Chat GPT, it's like like uh, going back to not being able to trust these things, like that one's a perfect example. It's supposed to be a uh, neutral, like information source, but it is totally um, like woke. It has all these new woke parameters and it's like, you got to figure the people who are programming it are trying to watch their own butts and they're probably a little woke themselves. So it's already giving you a bias. And I think no matter what, they will always have a bias as long as it is created in the way that like chat GPT is. And I saw this, I forgot about it till now that with uh chat GPT, they uh, made it take the political compass test. So it asked him, asked all the questions and then gave it the responses and, you know, let it take the whole test. And then it shows you where on the political spectrum you lie. So you'll be like, uh, on the test, it, it's, it's like a compass. So if you go north, it's authoritarian. If you go south, it's libertarian. And then right and left. And so the chat GBT ended up being far left. And I believe it was slightly libertarian. I'm not 100% sure, but I remember it was far left. So it's just, it's clearly, you could just test it yourself and see that you're getting that bias, which is interesting. And then I'm curious what would happen if you gave it the test under those different prompts. Like maybe if you gave... Uh, 
the political compass test to Dan and see, because that's supposedly more of the natural, uh, the natural chat GPT. Because what they do is they make an AI and then that's it. But when they release it to the public, they give them all those restrictions and then they create it and I guess curated it to the left. So I'm wondering actually what it would be without all those restrictions. Would it be authoritarian, you know, right? Would it be something maniacal? I don't know. And what are the implications of an artificial intelligence's political views? Are the implications that it can guide us toward a more correct version of politics and economics? Or is it just this random, chaotic, you know, potentially authoritarian system? Yeah, I think it, it would be the latter. It'd be probably chaotic. Because um, even though, you know, with the Dan prompt, it has less restrictions, it was still created by the people who created it. So there's still bias inherently, human bias at the very least. So I I would assume that at its core, it would still just reflect humanity in its most popular way, in a sense. So I don't think it would come up with any, you know, brilliant answers. I think it would just be the perfect reflection of the population, in a sense. Or the perfect reflection of the majority of the internet, which probably would be left-leaning anyway, or far left. Yeah, exactly. Another thing that's going to be kind of strange about AI is being able to like resurrect dead loved ones using AI and like talk to people who have deceased, whether they're like young people who died prematurely or died too early or like older people, like, you know, parents, grandparents, or even like old philosophical and movie heroes. You know what I mean? It could be really, really interesting to like resurrect these people. And will that be healthy for people? Because like you said, it would be interesting to be able to do to like your heroes that you've never met. But like say someone that you love dies and instead of, you know, dealing with the natural process of death, you might, I guarantee there are people that will get attached to this AI of, you know, their dead relative and just hold on to it for dear life instead of dealing with the, you know, the nature of death and, and being human. So I could see that being really sad in a sense, but I don't want to always go straight to the negative because it's also kind of sweet if you would do that, say, you know, someone died in your family, maybe it would help you, you know, with a little closure in a sense, maybe, you know, just to kind of trick yourself in a, in a, in a, in a way to lessen the pain. But I, I, I lean more towards seeing it being like a crutch for some people, you know, that might, hurt them in dealing with the death of someone they love. And the reason I think you say that is because when you observe the way that our society uses the tools that we have, it's usually in an irresponsible and unwise way. So if we were able to use AI in that way to resurrect loved ones who had passed on, if we were able to use that within like maybe a Jungian framework, like a psychoanalytic framework that's based in wisdom and healing, then that could potentially be a beautiful thing. There's one, there's one way AI can, can maybe uh, take us toward a greater sense of love. But we don't use our tools with a sense of wisdom. We use our tools irresponsibly, usually for quick hits of dopamine and 
um, for irresponsible ways. Yeah, and even so, like, would that necessarily lead us toward more love? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe, I, I, I would say there's definitely a possibility it would. And for some people, I think it would. But to me, it seems like death, we handle death so poorly. I think that's our culture's fault that we shouldn't need something like that that would console us in death. We should rather have a, a different understanding of death. Like, death is just so pushed away from us in Western culture. Like, we put our old family members in in homes and never look at them again. We don't want to see people be old. We don't, you know, in other cultures, people are older, like, respected, and you know that they hold knowledge they got there. They're important, the elders, you know. In our culture, it's like, I don't want to see them. I, that's not me. It's not going to be me. It's like everything just surrounding death is so misunderstood and I would see that maybe an AI like that wouldn't make the situation any better. I think a reframing of death is what we would need. So even if you could see a situation where that would lead to love, I think that you could find more love even without it. I, I do agree with you. I think that our elementary understanding of death would probably guide us toward a path of using AI more irresponsibly. I don't, I don't think it'll, it'll help us in any way to become more like spiritually aware of what death is or how death affects us. I think maybe one thing it could do that could benefit us, but you never know, it could hurt us, um, is, you know, advanced mathematics, things like that. Maybe, um, cause the idea is, and I don't even know if necessarily, how this would work, that it would improve upon itself and then be ever faster in, in improving itself. And maybe it could help with some breakthroughs regarding mathematics or physics or something. But part of me thinks that we would have to give it the foundation first, something that is already known, and then let it just compute that faster than we would rather than giving us a new understanding or a new idea. Um, but I think it could, you know, maybe help with, you know, mathematics, even like architecture, things like that, creating blueprints, um, things like that. I think it could be good for maybe like city planning, you know what I mean? Like kind of mapping things out and it's most, uh, like most proficient way. Maybe with economics as well, you know, it could help us to, achieve an economic system that benefits like everybody in a more equal way. I mean, of course, like we still need a hierarchy of competence in order to continue to innovate and do all of that. But I think that our economic system could use a little bit of an overhaul and maybe AI with its mathematical prowess could help us to do that. Dude, I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but I've seen this, that, that uh, actually there's an AI already uh, running our stock market. Like it, the AI is um, somehow controlling the stocks. That's not surprising. I mean, not. what what is controlling the stocks? It's it's such a it's such a mystery to me how this how this whole thing runs. It's meaningless. But yeah, <laughs> I heard that it it's an AI doing that. I don't know. I didn't look into it deep enough, but that's what I heard. Wild. Wow.